Hey guys, welcome back into a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. My name is Mac, and thanks for coming in for the newest episode. So before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to expend a special thank you to Adriana from Let's Get Your Shift Together. Um, Adriana, thanks so much for last week's episode where you spoke about um, parental abuse and parental narcissism and healing from that. Um, so many good topics that we got into, and I've been following her forever, so really good to get her on the podcast and kind of pick her brain. Um, so yeah, thanks for doing that episode. Um, before I start bringing in this week's guest, though, I wanted to kind of extend um, an apology to the listeners of this podcast, but really kind of out of my control. Um, during last week's episode, I said that I had my trial coming up, um, and this was going to be my nexus perjury. And it was funny. So uh, last week, I woke up, and it was perjury day. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Frozen. Some of you guys have kids, but I woke up like the girl on Frozen when she wakes up and goes, it's coronation day. I woke up like, it's perjury day at like 6.30 in the morning, right? And at Nine o'clock is when my court started, and I had worked out really hard the day before, and I got into uh, a hot bath to kind of relax my muscles before court, and as I'm laying there, um, I get a call, and it's from Brittany Parisi out of Parisi Law Firm in New Jersey saying, we're not going to hear this today because there's an emergency from the court at 7 a.m. in the morning. And I was crushed. I was befuddled. I didn't know what to do, what to think. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And I have this thing with, you know, this podcast of talking about, like, I feel bad. Like, I feel bad about, you know, I feel like I'm hyping this thing up and you guys are going to lose interest because you're like, come on, Mac, I want it to be over. Yeah, I want it to be over too. And uh, I can only handle what I can handle and some things are out of my control, but um, the good news is is that there will only be two episodes in between now and my rescheduled trial date, and uh, Brittany and I are coming out guns blazing. Um, my next has been doing a lot of shitty things to me lately, and uh, you know I'm thinking about next week doing an episode about recapping some of the really shitty things she's done. Um, but the funny thing is is that she does not have any leg to stand on because I've heard her testimony and uh, I'm not afraid. Um, it's funny, I'm doing this intro right now with my kids asleep in the other room and uh, I had my kids, you know, this evening and I got my son ready for bath time and I just took my son out of the bath and I said, here's your pajamas, put your pajamas on and come get in bed. And he walks into my bedroom and he's got a shirt on that says, my mom is my hero. And I was like, this son of a bitch put that in his bag. So she's not getting that back. I'm about to throw it in the garbage after I <laughs> end this intro. But uh, yeah, she's been a real piece of shit lately. And um, I need to recap some of these things maybe to get them off my chest. But I have had a really awesome guest um, this week. And this is an episode that I've been wanting to do for a really long time because this isn't this is something that actually has been plaguing my life a bit, uh, is dating post-narcissistic abuse. Um, I am in the dating game, and I'm going to share some dating stories with you guys. Um, you know, I, I mean these stories that we tell in this episode, I mean with the utmost respect and, you know, uh, just genuinely, I try and make light of certain things. Um, but I mean no malintent with anything I say on this episode, uh, and I think you guys are going to understand that when you take a listen. So uh, let's bring in this week's guest. All right, everybody, welcome back into a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. So I am personally excited for this one because a few months back I made a post on Twitter and then I posted it to Instagram that I want to do an episode about dating post-narcissistic abuse. And the reason that I wanted to do that was my dating life was a horror show at the time, and I was super frustrated with it. So I'm bringing in today a coach who who specializes and she's uh, has knowledge about dating after narcissistic abuse. Her name is Yana Hurd. Yana, say hi to everybody. Hi there. Nice to be here. <laughs> nice to see you. So, um, yeah, let like let's get into it. So it's funny. A lot of us we come from a narcissistically abusive relationship, and then we want to get back out into the dating world. And uh, so it was funny. I took maybe 
I don't know, maybe like six or seven months, you know, after leaving my relationship, my, my abusive marriage to get back on the dating scene. And so I downloaded the Tinders and the Bumbles and the Humbles and the Hinges and whatever the hell they're called. And I just wanted to like, see if like I was still desirable, right? Like I wanted to see like, do I still got it? Cause I haven't been out in the dating world for like 10 years. And so I got back into the dating world just to like kind of test my market value, right? And I did all right for myself. And it was funny. So there was this one girl who was like, you know, what are you looking for in a relationship, right? And I was like, well, you know, I just want somebody I vibe with and the drama is low and, you know, we have reciprocation and that sort of thing. She's like, I see you're divorced, right? I'm like, yeah, like I didn't want to divulge too much information. And she's like, starts going into my divorce. Like, how long are you out? And how long, you know, um, are you fully healed? And do you have kids? And everybody wants to know about the divorce cycle. So do you have any advice for getting back up on the horse and back into the dating game and how to like kind of see where you stand in the world coming out of a narcissistically abusive relationship? Um, well, I cannot speak for myself much when it comes to using uh, apps like Tinder because I have to admit I never used them. Right. They became popular when I was um, – I think I was already divorced and had been in a relationship for not a long time, but kind of, I always met people without using any, any apps. And when they became like super normal, I was already in a, in a long-term relationship again. Yeah. It's the same. I mean, now, I mean, it's going very well actually, but I remember when I met my, my partner, he was using these apps, like just to see how they worked and if you really could meet people, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, yeah, and it's kind of funny because when we met, we were like buddies, like friends. Someone introduced us, and he was just the coolest guy to hang to hang out with, actually, mm -hmm. from the whole bunch of people. So he was quite open about it, and it was very funny. And he said, "Well, you know, it's quite easy. There is all these girls, and they're usually quite young and." But I don't know, you know, can this really be serious? And can you really meet somebody to like have a long term thing? I don't know. But, you know, he just was like having a bit of fun. And I guess because he's like, let's say, good look in, in looks. He's better looking than the average mm -hmm. guy mm -hmm. um, and he's taller than the average guy. So I guess, you know, if you're single and 30 something you know not in your mid-30s yet and you're good looking and I mean it must be easy you know to to find girls but mm -hmm. um I know but I know that women actually only swipe right some studies say 20 percent on the high end sometimes it's only 15 percent of the time so women actually find overall find 80 percent of men if not more unattractive so I believe um, that's something that people who are maybe separating right now or have been in, you know, ha have been married and then they say, OK, I'm fine now to get out there and dating. Some of them actually don't expect it to be that way, that if you use these apps, for example, um, unless you're, you know, in the 15 up to 20 percent of guys that are, let's say, better looking than the average man or, you know, are um let's say women find you more attractive than average or you have something more to offer, um, you might find it very difficult. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's funny. It's like that 15% or whatever, that's probably the pool of men who are holding fishes in their profile pictures because I hear that's a big red flag and a big no-no is all the guys who are holding fishes up in their profiles. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what, what these statistics tell us, which is, I mean, it's very good data because – when they do these studies on dating apps, that's like very honest information because people really swipe right and left according to what they personally feel. I mean, nobody's telling them, oh, th this one looks nice. You have to swipe right. You know, so it's really, I think, very transparent information. It's quite reliable. And there are so many good guys out there who have a lot to offer, who have a good personality, you know, a good guy who maybe takes a lot of pride in his job and a fair person. And, you know, you could have something in common a guy who has great manners, who's intelligent, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But just because maybe he doesn't have the nicest picture or he isn't super tall or um, he doesn't look a certain way, most women will just not find him attractive. So many men actually don't know how to present themselves, I think, 
Yeah. And women think about that much more. But of course, men swipe right up to 60% of the time or more. So it's easier to actually uh, date, I think, if you're a woman, even if you're, you know, average looks, average person. For guys, it might be quite complicated, especially if you haven't prepared, if you haven't, you know, dated in a long time, you know, things might have changed in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. For sure. It's tough. I think it's tough for for guys. And I actually see this often with my clients. They ask me like, look, now that I feel better, that I'm healing, that I, you know, don't have these triggers anymore, don't feel that things that I feel bad about my, you know, past anymore, that I feel open to meet new people. But how do I actually do that? And they really ask me, like, what am I really looking for? Where do I meet these people? Do I need to use an app? Mm -hmm. Will they mind because Mm -hmm. I'm divorced or because I have children? You know, what do women think? So they often don't even know. They have no clue. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny, too. Like, so allow this episode, like, you can give the... Uh, female perspective, kind of like what females are looking for. And I love that you're a huge on, on your contents on your page. You're a huge advocate for men. And I absolutely love that about you. Um, allow me for the female listeners of this podcast to kind of be your platonic guy friend to tell you what the men are looking for, because I'll tell you what I'm looking for. I mean, rest assured women, there are still good men out there who are good intention that are looking for the right thing. Right. And it was funny. So you just said 60% of men swipe right on pictures, right? Well, I do a little more, I guess you can call it vetting than that. And so I actually made a list. Go ahead. I, I see that you want to, you want to say something. Go ahead. It, it's actually, it's actually men in general will swipe right 60% of the time. Yeah. So more than half of the women they see, they actually find quite attractive. Yeah. Right. That's what I mean. Well, so mm-hmm. here's what I do, though. So, like, it was funny. I had to make a list for myself of the things that I want in a relationship. And I just made it in my notepad, but I called it green flags and red flags of, like, things I look for. Obviously, you know, you want pretty and, you know, um, you know, pretty face and that sort of thing. But, um, like, I put, like, low drama. There's certain actual professions that I've dated in the past that I find those certain professions don't usually coincide with what I'm looking for. Um, I put like reciprocation is a big thing for me, you know, sharing interests, um, but like red flags, right? For the ladies listening to this and like your profiles, if you're looking for a good guy, right? I personally cannot stand Snapchat filters, okay? I'm gonna tell you guys a funny story. Oh, you just made his face, your eyes got real big and you shook your head. So it's funny, I wanna tell you guys a little horror story about my dating situation, okay? <laughs> she's covering her face and she's laughing right now. Oh, so, it's, it's too funny. I can't take these filters seriously. Oh if you see a lady God. with a filter, like with little bunny ears and a oh, nose. And, and, and I, the stars I think, around your eyes. And stuff. I mean, I sometimes have looked at these pictures, even when I was still living in Europe, in Germany. And I looked at it and I asked a guy friend that I had. I mean, yeah, we, we lived in the same neighborhood and we used to have coffee at this place. And I said, like, look, what does this mean? What does she want us to see? Right. What is this supposed you're to tell something. me? It's telling that me you're she likes something. to a little bunny, that she likes playing little girl. That what is this supposed to mean? So, and I never really got it. I mean, I can't take it seriously. So let me allow me to tell you a funny story, okay? <laughs> so I matched with this girl online, super pretty, um, and you know we matched, we get to talking, and I find out she's from my hometown, right? And she's beautiful, and I'm like, wow, and she's got a kid, and I'm like, okay, good all this kind of stuff. Right. And we get to talking and I found out that I had gone to high school with her and she was the year older than me. So I'm like, wow. And she knew all the people that I had grown up with and I could say, Hey, how's Mike doing? And she'd be like, Oh, good. Right. Like crazy, crazy. And so we make a plan to meet up and I like to FaceTime before I meet up with somebody. So we FaceTime and it's kind of dark and I can't see her that well, but I was satisfied, whatever I go and I meet her and her, you know, we've all been catfished before, but let's just say she altered her image really hard. And I'm not going to necessarily say how, um, but she altered her image pretty hard. And I was only able to last like 20 minutes on this date with this girl before, like I made some excuse, like, Hey, I got work that I got to do or whatever. And I got to head out. And she knew, she knew that she had catfished me. So the moral of the story is 
listen, with the Snapchats and the Instagrams and the TikToks and all these things that can alter your face, knock it the hell off. Make if you're real if you're looking for something real, be real. That's where I come from. I totally agree. And you know, I have a little anecdote with this. Um, of course you want to look nice. And sometimes the lighting is is just bad, you know, when you're talking to somebody, depending on where your phone is placed and And it's true that sometimes if you want to make a video, I mean, I make videos every day. Well, I post them almost every day. So, of course, sometimes you can use the filter only to fix the lightning a bit, you know, Mm -hmm. if it's just looking ugly or whatever. But I'm always trying to look real because that's what happens. Then you meet somebody in person and they say, oh, my God, you know, and they don't even know how to react. They don't want to offend you by saying, hey, you actually look, I don't know, 15 years older, or why did you have that yeah. weird, you know, blush all the time? So I actually have met so many people online since I, um, since I went online with my, with my profession, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I met this guy, he is from Texas. He also is a big advocate for fathers who have been alienated or parents who have gone through parental alienation. He has had the experience with his son firsthand. He wrote a book about it, a real, you know, brainwashing children, it's called. And well, that 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 is John from Texas, and he is a pilot. So he always used to fly uh, for UPS, and I could meet him in Germany to right. do some videos together, an interview. It was great. So we could have some content and share it also, and talk about this interesting stuff and what we were doing. And he told me, he showed me a picture, and he said, "Look, you know who that is?" And I said, "No." And he said, "You know, it's Polina Poritskova, this this model, you know." And I said, no, it's not. He said, yes, she is. But this is a picture without filters, without makeup, without anything. And I said, oh, my God, but this lady actually is pretty, you know, that's a really bad picture. And then I started thinking and I said, like, how do you perceive me? Do I look like on social media like or or do I look really different? And he said, no, you actually look the same. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't shocked in a bad way. And I said, "Okay, fine. But sometimes you should ask people like. Do I come across as natural or do I look normal yeah. or is this too much? Because people, especially the younger generation, people who are younger than me, who grew up with social media or just are very much into it, like even privately, I usually use it for my business only, mainly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they got so used to using that stuff that they don't really see that it's too much anymore. And somebody should really tell them like, hey. This is too much. You're not 15, you know? It's It screams insecurity to me. It screams insecurity oh, okay. to me. And I think I think many women that I've come across, you're beautiful the way you are. Don't use the Snapchat filters. The other thing is, is that um, I see a lot, I don't know whether they're trying to be sexy or whatever, but like half of your picture is in the frame. <laughs> like stand in front of a camera. Get a, If you're taking a selfie, make sure I can see your face. Take off the COVID masks. I'm not here for a political discussion, but I'm not here to fall in love with a COVID mask. Stand in front of the, stand in front of the camera and be real. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I think most men are looking for. I think so. I mean, um, actually, ladies, if ladies are listening, I, I hope ladies are listening too. This is super interesting stuff. Um, ladies, men don't care if your skin is not absolutely spotless all the time, if you Bingo. just have a little fine lines around your eyes because you're over 30 and that's the way you look when you smile, you know, or if, uh, I don't know, if your forehead has a little wrinkle, like in the middle, you know, I have that all the time. If you if you are somebody who takes care, you know, take care of your skin, be healthy, you know, yes. feel, feel healthy. And that's going to be fine. Men don't care about that that much. You don't need to be perfect. I'm here to validate that. You're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. So when it comes to image, what I'm saying is be real. Right. Like maybe this episode is about getting these dating apps to be real. You know what I mean? The other thing is, is that I hate when I go through a dating app. Right. And like I see some lame prompt like I just want to laugh. Right. Or like that's what a lot of women say in their profiles. I just want to laugh. I hear from women that men say I want a woman who can hold a conversation. Right. Please, please. Something a little more in depth. Or funny, you're laughing right now at me, but maybe something just like a little more in depth, just be real. Like my profile picture uh, or like my profile says, like, what are you looking for in a relationship? And I'm like, 
reciprocation, good times, low drama, and the ability to have a full-blown concert in the car. Like, I put, like, the real thing and then, like, the funny part of it, right? Because I'm not... I'm trying to find somebody... I mean, coming out of a narcissistically abusive relationship, you know, we almost find red flags that don't even exist, right? But when I go and I read through a profile, if I see somebody... A woman who just likes to laugh, what what does that mean? Is there people on earth that don't like to laugh? Like, put some thought in it, for Christ's sakes. Go ahead. I don't know. If you want to laugh, you know, on Netflix, there is a lot of comedians, like, stuff you can watch and you can laugh. I mean... Yeah, what am I, a comedian? <laughs> no, but what I understand is sometimes also people might fail to really express stuff the right way. And they don't... I mean... What does it mean? I I just want to laugh. Your previous relationship, you did only cry. You have a hard time laughing by yourself, so you need somebody to make things, you know, more. I don't need more humor from your partner. What do you mean? Or you all, or maybe you only mean I like a guy who has a sense of humor, who also makes me laugh. You know, who will just yeah. crack jokes. And I mean, yeah, sometimes you need to describe what you mean because men need it simple. And logic and explained in a way. I mean, I coach mostly only men. Yeah. And I often need to really think like, okay, this is the typical guy. He needs it really simple in a way he can understand and process. And he will say, how can I fix it? That's what you need to think. Men want to fix things. And in order to fix something or to understand it so they can do it, you need to tell them very clearly what you want. And to say, I only want to laugh. It's really weird for the <laughs> average really man. No, like, well, what, what does this mean? I don't understand. And you'd be surprised, ladies. Some of you ladies are probably listening to this going, what the hell are you talking about? No, a lot of women have on their profiles, I just like to laugh or I want a guy who's going to make me laugh. No shit. Well, from the other side of the standpoint, too, is like I hear women tell me that men say they want women to hold a conversation. And it's like, are there women who can't hold conversations? Like, I guess oh, yeah. what men... I guess what the men mean by that is like, you know, there's some women who might go on dates and it's just yes, no, like brief conversations. But I guess also that's dictated by the guy. So I think men, too, need to be open minded that, you know, we cannot monopolize a conversation when we're in it or we're on a date or something. We can't just ask yes or no questions. We have to ask open ended questions about your family, about your job or whatever. And, you know. Come, come, men, why don't you come with a plan on a date of some things that you can ask to have her open up? What are some of, what's the best memory you ever had from your childhood? What's the, your favorite restaurant? You know, tell me a story about so-and-so. I don't know, but get people to open up. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. And for, I mean, I think this is universal. Um, I know nowadays you have, okay. And I'm, I really don't mind to, to sound stupid by saying this but i watch a lot of podcasts and stuff that is primarily from the us i also watch stuff from the uk more from europe you know but i really can see that in the us i mean i don't really know if all women over there are like that but all these shows where they invite women in their 20s that either have i don't know something they do on social media or whatever and a lot of them really cannot hold a conversation. The guys have to repeat the questions to them three times. Simple mm -hmm. questions. They are not articulate. They say like. Every third word they say is like, <laughs> which I, I never knew that you could talk like that. I mean, I can't take this seriously. And then they're dressed like they were going to work at a strip club, like they're half naked sitting there. And I always think, okay, is this only the type of girls they invite to do these things, do they do it on purpose or do they rarely invite women who actually like to talk about stuff and women that you can understand? I mean, I'm not even a native speaker, but I managed, I think, to, to practice and to learn so I can actually work in English and, and understand everything pretty well. But um, I guess that's what some men actually mean. They don't want ladies who seem not to not to be able to articulate themselves or who are not interested in, in a lot of things, maybe just mm -hmm. interested in what they do and, oh, yeah, I have this friend and I like to go shopping and I like my Instagram. And I think that is becoming really, you know, insanely common and many men are scared 
because they think, oh my God, and if it's, if that's, if it's a very nice girl, but she really can't talk about anything really, what am I going to do? Yeah. Well, and, and to the same point too, from speaking from perhaps what the female perspective would be, I think a lot of females are worried that men only want sex, right? And you've been jaded by men in the past. Men have been shitty to you in the past and men feel that way about women. There's certain women who have been treated men badly, but try and leave that stuff at the door. You know what I mean? And I'm cognizant when I'm on a date with somebody, like I'm asking them questions. Are they asking me that back? You can piggyback. If somebody asks you a question, piggyback and just throw it right back at them and tell me a story about your childhood or what was the last great restaurant you ever went to? Or, you know, if you have kids or something, you know, what do you like to do with your kids? Try your, it's, it is kind of like a job interview in a way you're trying to get into the nitty gritty of this person to try and understand, do you have a future with this person? You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and for the guys, you know, circling back to your initial point, if you make a woman feel comfortable, she's going to open up faster. Right. So, of course, you know, um, you should already be able to select and to filter out a lot if you're using dating apps so you don't even get to these awkward uh, moments where you're sitting in a restaurant and maybe you don't even know what to say or you see that she really doesn't open up. I think if they if, if women feel comfortable um, and that it, it doesn't feel like they're selling themselves like in a job interview. Right. You know, take the maybe maybe you should crack a joke and, you know, take the tent, get the tension out of there a little bit. So if you both are relaxed, like, OK, I have no big expectations. If it goes well, it's fine. If it doesn't, maybe we just, I don't know, we just meet somebody interesting or we learn something. I don't know. Maybe you know someone else who later can become my friend. I don't know. I mean, the world is smaller than we think. It's great to meet new people. So I think if you get, if you go to a date without too many expectations and you just go to have a good time and get to know the other person a little bit and try to feel comfortable first. I agree. I think um, I think setting has a lot to do with it, too. Like, I think what you do on a first date has a lot to do with whether or not you'll get a second date. Like, for example, I think the movies is an absolute shit first date because you don't get to talk to each other. I think dinner, depending on how good the conversation was leading up to the first date, dinner might not even be the best thing. Personally speaking, I think if it's a beautiful day out, I mean, right now it's beautiful out right now, it's 80. If I was going on a date tonight, I'd say, hey, let's go get coffee or ice cream or something and go walk in the park or something. I think walking dates are great. I don't think first dates should last necessarily longer than an hour. I think an hour is actually too long. I think 45 minutes just to get in, see if there's a vibe, Um, try and FaceTime or video call with that person before to see if there's a vibe. Um, but I think the first date, uh, the scenario of how you're meeting is, has a big part to play on whether or not there'll be a second date. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, I know. I mean, maybe it's interesting information just in case somebody's listening, listening, who who is from the old continent. Um, even the concept of, you know, going on a date is a much more formal and like serious concept than it is in Europe. Over there, things are a little bit more informal. So um, it's quite normal in most European countries, Western Europe more, to really go on walking dates or to Mm -hmm. say, look, there is this thing going on in town and you want to go see just what's going on. And we take a look at it. We, I don't know, we grab a drink. We see, you know, what the vibe is over there, if we like it. Otherwise, we go somewhere and we grab something to eat. So I think that's good to just um, not make it that formal because some people might be a little bit um, overwhelmed by that or Mm -hmm. think, oh, my God, now he took me to this nice restaurant, you know, and I what if it goes, you know, what if he doesn't like me or we don't get along and then we'll sit there and it will be awkward. Um, Yeah, I mean, just do something you can feel comfortable with and some some do it in a setting where it isn't that difficult for you guys to leave or to dissolve the whole thing. If you see that there's no chemistry at all. And don't be afraid of saying that. 
exactly and you can say like hey you how do you feel maybe we should just i don't know go really nice to meet you thank you so much you know yeah. that you just don't feel that awkward if you're in a really nice restaurant you have to get up you know and say i think i'm leaving yeah well that's <laughs> the other thing speaking of a restaurant too from a male perspective ladies for a male perspective I personally don't want to buy women dinner on every first date because I don't want <laughs> I don't want to buy every girl I meet dinner. I really don't. To be honest with you, like what am I going to do? Buy a 50 to 100 dollar dinner for every girl I go out with just to find out it didn't work? I, I don't want to do that. It's just I mean, call me cheap, call me what you want. I know a lot of girls will, will say, "Well, I deserve it." And and you do. You do deserve it. But Maybe like the second or third, you know, like I think I think some sort of active first date is the best. And I've heard people go like axe throwing, even though that sounds a little like too much for me when you throw the axes at the target or like an escape room or something. I seriously I think like a walk around a park or sitting on a park bench or something like that is the best first date. Grab an iced coffee, grab a drink, you know, something that you can pop in, see if there's a vibe, pop out. And see, like, hey, do I want to call this person later? Do I want to keep the conversation going? It truly is. Like you just said, it's all about a vibe. And don't force that vibe if it's not there. If you don't if you don't feel like you like somebody, I have done this on dates. to be like, hey, listen, it's nothing against you. I think you're beautiful. I, you know, but I'm just not feeling it. And, you know, I wish you the best. And I know it sucks. It bruises people's ego, but you do have to. Take care of yourself because we're coming out of an abusive relationship where we didn't set boundaries and we didn't speak our minds. And we were afraid to express ourselves. And I think it's important now to, you know, come honest and correct. Well, there is actually nothing more proper, I think, than men being transparent and honest. You know, the worst thing is if they just think, oh, I'm going to stick around like out of politeness. I wouldn't like that as a oh, lady, yeah. you know, to think like, oh, no, you don't need to stay just to to be polite or anything. You know, it's fine. It's a first date. We don't know each other. It just happens that sometimes mm -hmm. you don't click. So I actually would think it is better if he says, look, I'm just not feeling this. I don't know. OK, fine. If you don't feel comfortable, we just go. You know, mm -hmm. that's way better. And especially if you come from. From a relationship where, you know, you just had to deal with that narcissistic abuse all the time. The thing many people don't understand, um, first of all, many women don't actually think that men can be abused for a long period of time. Oh, they can. But most women are not familiar with that unless they have been through it and they're familiar with the topic or with with that kind of thing. They they think, well, you know, if she treated you that, bad, that badly, why didn't you just leave? Mm -hmm. I've heard that from women like, oh, my God, you know, why doesn't he just leave? Let's just get that off the table. I mean, narcissistic abuse for men, men usually are the ones sticking around, especially in the U.S. Divorces are filed 80 percent of the time by women. By women. Yep. So men will even stick around when it gets terrible. They will do it because they think they maybe can fix it. Men are natural fixers. They want to fix the problem. Maybe they love you. And they 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 feel awful seeing that they can't fix it. Maybe I need to help her. Maybe I need to behave differently. We have kids. I don't want to break the family apart. You know, women are the ones wrecking their homes, even with a husband who doesn't treat them badly, who's a great provider, who's a great dad. Oh, I'm just bored. I've heard women say, oh, I got a divorce because I was bored. Mm -hmm. Well, well because it wasn't exciting enough. It's like men will stick around even when horrible things happen. Yeah, I mean, maybe this is a good segue into – so when you're dating, I mean, personally speaking, I go on dates with women, and they want to know, why did I get divorced, right? Like, women ask me that question. Why did you get divorced? And I'm not going to be like, well, she was a narcissist, and check out this podcast. I'm not going to do that. But how can we normalize – and this – this might be more for the men than the women. How can we normalize talking about a relationship? Because when we're coming out of a narcissistically abusive relationship, we don't want to divulge too much. But the woman's trying to vet us to find out, did we cheat? Were we abusive? Why did our marriage dissolve? So do you have any advice for people who maybe not might – they're in the dating game again and they might, like myself, be fully divorced yet? And – the, the line that I use, and this is very, very true. What I say 
when I'm talking and dating and I say, why did my marriage end? I say, listen, marriages don't end when the people separate. Marriages end years in advance. Okay. So yeah, I left my home on XYZ date, but the marriage was over long before that. The feelings were dead a long time before that. And now I'm just looking to sign a piece of paper. And honest to God, sometimes that works. <laughs> sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, but it is the truth. And anybody listening to this knows that's the God out truth. So my question to you is how can we normalize explaining or discussing divorce when you're trying to get into a new relationship? Okay. This is a really good question, actually. Um, and I think I can find a pretty good answer for, for the listeners also. Um, the problem here is there is many men who are really pro-marriage and pro-family. And if it was for them, they never would have filed for divorce because they actually wanted to maintain their marriage and their family. And if they have gone through narcissistic abuse, which means that you're, I mean, in fright or flight mode constantly, even for years. So you start uh, being triggered by things that a normal person, you know, who doesn't deal with that would say, oh, my God, why is this so wrong? You know, just do it or it's fine. What did she say? Why do you feel so bad? So it is a very complex thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's why people sometimes have to seek special help to even understand what they have been going through. And they need time even to unwind, so to speak, to get used to normal behavior again, mm -hmm. how they actually to, to know themselves, how they behave when there is no narcissistic abuse anymore. So right. for some people, it takes two years. For some people, it takes three or four or five until they can trust somebody again and trust themselves, you know, to be able to to just take it, <laughs> to just take the happiness or, you know, experience things without being in in that mode all the time that they mistrust or they just feel afraid. They don't want to risk it. You know, it is very complex. So it's very complex. Many, Many men then start dating, and then when a woman asks, oh, but why did you get divorced, which is a legit question, then they think, oh, my God, how do I make her understand or how do I make sure she understands that if it was for me, I never would have gotten divorced. So I believe in a long-term committed relationship. So I think a very good answer to that is to say, look, to say the truth, to say, look, if it was for me, I'm actually for family and marriage. So family was the most important thing to me. My marriage was very important to me. So I believe if we would have had problems that you can fix, that it's just a matter of finding solutions together, or I have a rough phase where I'm just not feeling really good, so I need your support, or we have a rough time because we're not making as much money, so we need to, you know, um, mm -hmm. plan Everybody our Everybody has life. their past. Everybody you know, has their past. These things can happen, but, you know, actually some marriages end because the problems you're dealing with are not fixable anymore. You know, we were not compatible at all, and you can also ask the person, have you ever experienced that one person actually can bring the worst out of you or even make you feel scared yeah. all the time because you don't know how to react anymore. So your house becomes a war zone where yeah. you cannot express yourself anymore, where you're afraid to take certain action, where you're worried about your kids mm -hmm. sensing, you know, the negative environment all the time. So, and you can say out of respect for my kids and my family and whatever, I'm not going to tell you exactly what was wrong because you know, we'll I, get I just to it. The more you get to, to know me, that. right. You know, get to know but, me, the more you'll learn. Exactly. But it was just, you know, a marriage that I needed to end to be able to live a healthy and happy and fulfilled life again and to make that happen for my kids. You know, we yeah. were all suffering in that dynamic. I don't know if this now sounded too long to adapt it to yourself. If no, you needed, it's perfect. But Point number one is a lady will always value that you don't want to disrespect your former wife, even if she was problematic, because she's going to see, oh, he, he won't even disrespect her by saying, oh, she was a really bad wife or she abused me or she did whatever, because then they can see how you probably would behave with them. You would also be respectful and not trash them in front of other people or um, hang their dirty laundry somewhere. Mm -hmm. I get um, it. 
this is a, this is always a good sign for a lady to say, oh, he's actually very respectful and very proper. Um, also, it is good if you try to explain it without really blaming anybody, just saying, look, um, I don't want to play the blame game. I think it's always it takes two to tango. And, you know, we were just having a dynamic where no one was happy, where my kids were heavily impacted by it. My emotional and psychological health was impacted by it. And I just needed to get out to make mm -hmm. a better situation possible. Sometimes that's the only thing you can do because the alternative is really a disaster. And that's why I'm divorced, not because I don't believe in family or in marriage. So, no, there was right. no cheating. There was no, I don't know, Use, whatever. Yeah, there's no physical yeah. violence. There was no cheating, exactly. nothing like that. Right. If you reassure him with that, I always think that's that's because many thing. people are. Yeah, many people are worried about that because they also hear so many stories. And we live in the Me Too era, you know, where sadly, um, usually people assume the men are to blame. Mm -hmm. It is true. I mean, there are so many countries. I, I talk to fathers, to divorced men or men who are just, you know, still not finalizing their divorce and custody battles. I mean, it, it can be really brutal and it gets brutal quite quickly. And it is like that in so many Western countries. It's quite the same. There are still many laws that are even biased against men and they often assume that it might be true if the woman says, oh, he was so abusive. In many cases, is it is not true. And many women go dating and they assume, you know, if there was abuse, it was probably him. So it is normal that men don't know what to say or even feel that it might be tricky, you know, to respond that in a way that she believes it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think another thing, too, is in the day and age we're in, I mean, at the time of this recording, you know, we're in April of 2023. But I think the important thing too to mention is be like, listen, yeah, I'm in therapy for it, right? Like I don't, I don't, I think the taboo of therapy should kind of be out the window now, like in 2023, and mental health should be, you know, less stigmatized. But I think you could say, you know, listen, yes, I am in therapy for it. It's funny, I saw this thing on Instagram that it said like it was a great meme, and it was like, fuck nudes, send me a dated invoice of your most recent therapy session so I know that you're working on yourself, and I love that. I I love that because, yeah, yeah I want to know that you're into self-improvement, you're into making this relationship work, you're into camaraderie, and I like how you said, you know, my ultimate goal is, even if it's not marriage, but even if it's not kids, but it is like that, that union, you know what I mean? Like that togetherness, yeah. and that's what I seek. Um, a question that I also wanted to ask you is, sometimes my feeling and I can only speak from experience of my dating life, but I see that women, especially in my case, because I have a very messy situation, but I see that some women create red flags that aren't there, right? Like, um, I had one girl tell me, like, are you divorced? And I was like, no. And she goes, well, hit me up when you are divorced, right? And I thought that was really nasty the way she said that. But um, I find that sometimes people see red flags that might not necessarily be red flags or like they're kind of just waiting for the perfect situation. And I don't believe there ever really is the right situation in all these months that I've been dating. Everybody has their baggage. It's just about who's going to help you unpack. You know what I mean? So can you speak a little bit about that? I don't know if you know, understand what I'm talking about when people see red flags that aren't necessarily red flags. Mm, yes. I mean, the example that you gave, yeah, it's a bit nasty. If you really have some kind of rule that you don't want to date a guy who's not officially divorced yet, you can have your reasons and you have the right to, to say that. It's fine. Then you can say it differently. You can say, look, you know, I just want to make sure I don't get in the middle of anything. I've had a bad experience with that. You know, I, I really don't feel comfortable if you're not, you know, divorced yet. Formally, I, I, I choose not to get mm -hmm. to get there, not to go there. It's just a personal thing. I'm so sorry. It's nothing against you. I hope you understand. And if you don't, you know, I understand that you maybe don't get why, but it's just something I don't like to do. Yeah. Um, let's let's put it that way. If you're in the dating world in the market on the market, let's say, and you're in your 30s and you've had a family, you've had kids. Some people have been divorced twice. 
or maybe have not even been married because they just did their own thing. They focused on their career, you know, whatever. So we have to assume that practically, I mean, practically everyone is carrying their own back with something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Be clear. I mean, you have the right to say if something is just not your thing. I get this from, um, from delusional women all the time who say, oh, but I'm a single mother and I have so much to offer. And, you know, this guy was so nasty. He said he doesn't date single mothers. He has the right to say that. I have been a single mother before for several years after I divorced. And sadly, because of my ex-husband's um, illness, he, he was really dealing with health issues. He couldn't really spend time with his daughter anymore. So I ended up being in charge 24-7 by myself for many years. So the men have, I mean, they have the right. You men can have standards too. So if you say, look, it's never going to be my child. I get very emotionally invested. I love kids. You know, I mm -hmm. would like to have my own. So I know that if we break up or something happens, I'll lose this child too. If I bonded with this kid, it would be terrible for me. Mm -hmm. If it goes well, I'll never be able to fully, you know, be this, this kid's father because it's not my child, you know, and right. maybe I would even be investing money and resources and Maybe I can't even discipline this child the way I would my kids because right. you don't feel good with it. Or the father says, hell no, this is my kid. You're not telling my kid X, Y, Z. So you can have your standards. And as long as you're respectful and clear from the beginning, you can say it. Mm -hmm. You know, you also can say like, no, it's not really, you know, you even if you don't want to say it, just don't get into it. <laughs> just say right. no not my type, you know, right. no, it's fine. So, but you have the right to have standards and women have the right to have standards, but men also. And I think in this day and age, often you see men being criticized or vilified for saying that they don't like something. Mm -hmm. Like why? If women say, I want the man to make a hundred K a year and I want him to be six feet tall and I want him to be professional and, you know, to so I want him to be financially very stable so he can bring me to places or, you know, invite mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. to have amazing experiences. Yeah. Okay. So maybe he also has his standards, his standards, and maybe he prefers a lady who doesn't have kids. It's, you know, it's weird because personally speaking, like I, it's, I have to, okay. So personally, one of my red flags is, um, I almost want, I do want, not almost, I do want somebody who's been divorced before. And the reason I say that is because if a woman at my age, I'm in my late thirties, if you've never been divorced before, well, my next question is going to be how close have you ever been to getting married? Okay. Like if you don't have kids, I want to hear like, oh, we were close. I almost kind of want to hear a sob story to know that you were close. Someone was willing to almost take a chance on you. I want to hear that somebody was willing to take a chance on you. And then um, I do I want you to have kids? In most cases, yes. But I'll tell you a little story in a little while. Um, you know, there's certain things, right? There's there's certain things that men look for. Um, but not everything's a deal breaker, too. Like, I, you know, like I try and it's like Skittles, like taste the rainbow, figure everything out as you go. Go ahead. Yeah, what I wanted to say just to be um because I think I didn't really answer one part of your question. And it's good that you said again, like red flags. It is true that we sometimes might lose an opportunity to meet a person that fits us and our needs and what we want in life really well, just because we have certain standards or red flags. It's true. It can sometimes be limiting, just like a limiting belief. Mm -hmm. Like I don't date somebody who has done this before or I don't date somebody who is from that country or just to say some silly examples. But, well, pe people actually have those. I mean, you wouldn't believe <laughs> what, um, mm -hmm. what beliefs people have or what their you know deal breaker is all the time. But, I mean, some red flags might not make sense or might keep you from knowing very interesting people. But. Some people are just trying to be effective. And I've seen men who do that a lot. They say, look, life is short. I have lost a lot of years already, you know, with a person where we weren't compatible. 
yada, yada, yeah. yada. And I'm not doing it again. You know what? So you know what? I just have a rule for myself. I want a lady who's younger, who doesn't have so much drama and trauma in mm-hmm. her back, you know, somebody who will just uh, be family oriented or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. or a lady who likes to travel with me, who will never complain that I work too much because that's important to me. Mm-hmm. And someone else might say, no, I want some somebody who's also busy with a profession that she loves. So we yep. both this thing we like to do. Other people say, no, you know, I want a lady who wants to be home with the kids because I want kids to be raised with their mother at home, not to mm-hmm. be taken care of by strangers. Mm-hmm. So it's good to know what you want. And it's true. Life is short. If you're a certain age, sometimes you need to know what you want and be practical. And that's something I've seen many men do. They just try to be practical. And women, on the other hand, I mean, there are so many women nowadays who were raised without a father figure. I was one of them. So there are so many girls that grew up without enough uh, male validation from their father. They maybe didn't have a steady family life anymore. They maybe were having divorced parents going, you know, in one home and then in the other home the next week. And so I don't think many women nowadays really know what they want because the image of the ideal man that they're chasing is something they made up in their heads because they really never had that father figure. And your father is actually the model for, you know, it it will shape the image that you have and how you perceive men as a whole. Yeah, your father has a huge place part to play in it. My experience is maybe a little bit different than that, where I've come across quite a few women that like absolutely love their fathers and the man that they're dating has to live up to that image and be like, listen, I'm not your dad. Like it's, it's kind of weird to be honest, but um, segueing maybe a little bit. Right. So once you're in a relationship, right. Um, let's say you've gotten past those first couple of months and things are going well. Um, how can you not let past experiences trickle into your current relationship and i'll give you an example i have one listener who reached out to me recently and she said she's been with this guy for about a year they decided to take their first trip together and before taking this trip together she was so worried about going on this trip because every other trip she'd been with with her ex like it had gone horribly wrong and he'd be drunk and screaming at her friends or whatever. And, you know, before she went on this trip with her new boyfriend, she was like, Oh my God, should I be worried? How is this going to work? Are we going to argue? So like how, when we're in a relationship, can we not let those phobias of our past relationship leak into this one? Mm. That's also a very good question. And I've been asked that before. Also, um, some of my clients ask these questions. Um, First of all, we need to be aware of the fact that our new partner doesn't owe you, your new partner doesn't owe you understanding or doesn't need to tolerate for years on end, you know, your past traumatic experiences. So Love that. Love that. That is something, I mean, especially if you're a certain age, if you're not in your early 20s anymore, you know, where you maybe still don't know how to deal with it. You should always be clear from the beginning. So if this lady was so worried, for example, about that trip, then you can go and say, look, I know this might sound a little extreme, but I want to let you know. So you're not surprised later or weirded out by this. With my ex, I had a few really bad trips where I didn't have fun at all. And he would get very extreme or aggressive with people and drink a lot and So I'm a bit nervous because I have that experience, but it has nothing to do with you. Right. But I just wanted to let you know in case you you think, oh, you know, maybe to you, I don't look that excited or I'm not telling you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. So it has nothing to do with you. I'm trying to work it out. I know you're not that person. I really want to go. But please, um. Just know that that's why I'm feeling a little triggered. I'm working it out. It's fine. So this person knows you're dealing with something, but you're not trying to make him pay for what the other person did to you. Right. You know, by just because then you might make the trip a nightmare. Right. 
Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. And I felt that way about some of the girls that I've dated is like, I don't want to have to pay for your past. I'm not here to prove anything to you. I'm me. He was him. And hopefully we're nothing alike, but I can't imagine that I am. Um, you know, you and I, before we did this, this interview, we had like an offline conversation about some of the coaching that you do with your mm -hmm. clients. And you gave me this wonderful, I guess, analogy you can call it about a point system. Can you talk about that with me a little bit? Oh, yes, I, I remember. It's one that I love, too. And I've um, I mean, it has helped me personally, even since I learned it from a lady who was a friend of mine. We worked in the same place. And she also had experienced very toxic parents. Her mother was a narcissist with very histrionic tendencies. And she really didn't have, a, a, let's say, an easy childhood with her mother. She always needed to be the one tolerating it. And, yeah, mom, I love you, but I can't take you, you know, mm -hmm. right now. I need you in small doses. So later she was blessed with that husband who was emotionally a really stable guy. And he told her that she was doing something that wasn't working for her. And he tried to point it out to her with this point system. So he told her, he said, look, honey, um, you're such a loving, kind, nice person. Each time you meet somebody and you get along with them very quickly and they're just super nice and you can go for coffee, blah, blah, blah. You usually see them and give them 10 points from the get-go. It's like this new person has 10 points and only if they do something bad or something that isn't okay with you, you will take a point away. Mm -hmm. And if they screw up too many times or, you know, just... Ten seems like a lot. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, but that's it. She used to, let's say, put up with people for a long time when he would have disqualified them long ago. And he said, look, you don't have to pay for what their problems are. And if they're just rude and it's not because someone hurt them and no, they're just being rude. Just tell them, no, right. don't do this with me. I won't deal with you anymore. So she said, well, so how should I do it then? Because for me, it's a new person. I can't judge them. I don't know them. So I first give them, you know, I first trust them and then I will see. So he said, no, for me, a person has zero points when I meet them. So they have to earn the 10 points little by little, and I will judge them by their actions. Yeah, and by that's, how that's more like how I, right. That's more how I exactly. am. I think you start with zero and you can earn those points. I know exactly. what you're saying. And maybe people listening to this going, well, I don't want to earn any points. Fuck you. You got to earn it with me. But no, I think that's part of a reciprocal relationship where like you're equally trying to show the other person how much you mean to me and how much you want this to work. And this is very important, especially for people who have been in an abusive relationship, because if you do it that way, the person is like a black canvas. There is no points there still. And respect is earned. Yeah, so, totally. And then, they, and then they say, well, but how come it is earned? You, you also respect a person down the street that you don't know. You can't just shout at somebody you don't know. And I say, yes, but... If you even respect somebody, you know, if you respect the people, people you don't know, that's because you were raised to be polite and, you know, common courtesy and you just know how to be civil. You're socially you're socialized the right way, let's say. But right. the other thing is, if somebody wants to be your friend and they come into your personal space and they have coffee with you and they try to befriend you. Respect, that's respect on another level. Love comes with respect, too. Right. So respect is really earned. And that's why many people don't understand that you can be very attracted to a person and have great fun together and have a lot of chemistry, but you don't respect each other. I know what you're that saying. Happens. Totally. Yeah. That's, and then they say, I love him so much. Yeah. But your love doesn't come with respect. Mm -hmm. His love doesn't come with respect because you treat each other badly. You have terrible arguments and then you say, I love you. Well, no, you don't respect each other, really. Right. I agree with you. Well, here's one last transition because we're coming to the end of the hour, but here's one last question for you. And it's on par with respect, maybe a little taboo of a subject, but when do you know when is the right time to get physical and sexual with somebody? Another great question. Thank you for asking many good questions that usually people don't ask me. Um, this is much more fun. <laughs> um, look, um, 
I really think there is a little cultural component to this because in Europe, I was, you know, we were quite, we were less formal with it. I never knew anybody when I was younger saying, oh, I never do this and that on the first date or second date. The dating thing wasn't that formal over there. So I always thought that you were going to feel if it's right or not. I mean, if you really click and you both have similar values, it's just going to happen at the right time. Of course, you should never do it unless you really want to do it. All right. And, and unless you feel there is respect and, you know, you can trust. Um, of course, if you need more time before you can really trust and be intimate, then wait, you know. And, and feel free and, to verbalize that. that. Exactly. Be, feel free to say that. And by the way, I mean, ladies, women control the access to, to intimacy. They do. So as a woman, you can very easily say, look, it's not that I'm not feeling this. I actually like you a lot, but you know what? I need a little, usually I give myself a little more time mm -hmm. because I really need to trust. And that takes a little more time for me. Is that okay with you? I hope this is okay with you. Yeah. And actually, if he respects you and feels the same way, he will respect that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% I agree with you. Well, listen, we're coming to the end of the hour and it's funny. So I've been sitting here this whole time debating on whether or not I should talk about this. Um, but this podcast has become sort of a snapshot into my week to week life. Right. And um, so just to throw it out there, I have been seeing somebody for a little while. Things are going really well. We met on Hinge and there are zero red flags. Um, I don't necessarily want to talk about my relationships in life because I feel like if shit doesn't work out, I don't feel like you guys are entitled to know. Um, but I do want you to know that I wanted to do this episode because dating is a huge deal to me. And, um, you know, my goal when I was in my marriage and now remains the same. And I still want a loving, caring, happy relationship that I didn't have before. And I'm still on a mission to find that. And I'm not saying I've necessarily found that now, but what I will say is the person that I am currently seeing has been awesome. I mean, earlier this week, I was in New York City, just a little tidbit. I was in New York. I work in New York and I was playing around on my phone. I wasn't paying attention. I stepped off a sidewalk and I sprained my ankle and it hurt so bad. And I was on my way to her place. And as soon as I got there, she wrapped up my ankle. She iced it. Uh, you know, I skinned my knee. She put Neosporin on my knee. She took really great care of me. And, you know, it's only been a couple of months that I've been with this person, but I know she's going to be listening to this. She loves my podcast. She loves the platform. And I just wanted to give her a shout out. Um, and this has become a snapshot of my life. So, um, you know, before I let you go, do you have any last minute advice for people who are looking, still looking for the real, tangible, happy relationship and they're not just bed hopping like some people believe that they are? Do you have any final thoughts for that? Um, well, I think it is very important to know who you are so other people don't come and tell you who you are. <laughs> yeah. Amen. So um, it is important if you have stuff to sort out, if you have trust issues still, if you have certain standards, you know, be real with it. There is no shame in having standards, in wanting something specific. Of course, when you're a certain age and you've had your experiences, some people will say you can't be too picky anymore, but um, it needs to feel right for you. And if it doesn't feel, if it doesn't feel right, you know, just get out, just say no. So I think um, we really need to know who we are and what what are what are your needs that you need the other person to meet. Right. And don't keep your standards too high, but also don't settle. Exactly. Because I guess we're all not perfect. And if a person is really compatible with you and you care for that person and there is the attraction also and you have common goals, which is very important. What is important to you in life? There are certain conversations you will need to have when you're fully clothed, sitting at the table and talking. And that's mm -hmm. something many people miss nowadays to really have the conversation. If you look, oh, God, this girl is awesome. We're, I feel we're really compatible. Tell her that and say, look, but I really need to know, do you want to be married? Is this, is this isn't that important to you? Mm -hmm. Or are there things where you say, no, I'm really not into this or this is actually not what I want at all. So find out these three or four things and see what are her needs. Can I meet them? And can you take the whole package, even with a few flaws in it, 
you know, or there thing or they things you just can say, okay, fine, this is not not that good, but I can take I can buy it with the whole package. Right. Right. Or they do things that are deal breakers and you need to be clear on that. Yeah, I mean, nothing's going to be perfect. But at the end of the day, as I said before on this episode, there's like a mantra that I have. And it's like everybody has their baggage, but you got to find the person who's going to help you unpack. Right. Yes. Yeah. So listen, like I said, we're coming to the end of the hour. Where can people find you on social media and follow along and do your coaching sessions and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I have a a website called basically like my name and last name. It's Jana with a J. J-A-N-A, and Herde is my um, last name, which is very German and very difficult. <laughs> it's spelled H-E-R-D-E, janaherde.com. If you go to Instagram, if you use Instagram, it's just Diana Coaching. Mm-hmm. I think I'm the only one with that um, tag. Mm-hmm. There you can see my content daily. Um, if you subscribe to my newsletter, you can do that through the website, through the Instagram too. In the bio, there is all my links. Um, then you can join my free Q&A sessions that I do on Zoom, where everybody on my newsletter is invited to register and join anytime. I do it every two weeks. Um, and also on Facebook, you can also find me. I mean, it's all linked together. And I have a YouTube channel as well that is uh, Yana Coaching as well. Um, the main platform where I post most of my content is, is Instagram, actually. Cool. Yeah, so that's how we found each other. There. Yes. And my website is there for everyone to explore. And if you need help as a father who deals with parental alienation or, you know, life after the custody battle, how do I heal the bond with my kids now? Or the classic client that I also get a lot is I haven't seen my daughter in 10 years. What do I do to reconnect now? So that is something I do that, that I call a reconnection training. So the website, janaherde.com, is there for, you know, everyone to explore. There you can also find all the links to book a session, to book a first consultation, to book, to apply for one-on-one coaching that I do too, um, or to donate. I mean, there is people who just love what I do. They say, oh, this is very much needed. They want to donate. It's also there. And also you can buy an ebook. It's called um, Father-Daughter Reconnection, The Basics. I'm working on get it on, on Kindle so people can also buy um, hard copy. Awesome. Well, Yana, thank you so much for doing this. This is an episode that I've been wanting to do for a long time. And I think the contents of this is awesome. So thank you so much for doing this with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All right. it's been awesome. awesome. All right. Until next time, everybody.